Alright guys, welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host Connor Maxwell. Today I'm joined with the amazing Sinead Gormley, who tells us all about her experience and her career in CLD. Sinead goes back to her early childhood memories from being at the youth club, travelling, research, where she is now and all the amazing work she's doing. So without further ado, here's Sinead Gormley. Okay, so at the minute I'm um, currently a senior lecturer in community development um, at the University of Glasgow and I'm research and teaching group lead for uh, people, place and social change. Um, <laughs> probably the journey to get the, the CLD, um, I suppose it's worth saying that I, I didn't even know what CLD was um, and I guess that's probably you can tell from my accent that I'm not from Scotland and CLD is a kind of very specific Scottish kind of terminology that, that's used. So maybe if I if I go back um, and, and I think back about my my life and my journey, maybe maybe it was a bit inevitable that I ended up in, in what's called CLD here. Um, but as you can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm not from Scotland originally. Um, I'm from Belfast. Uh, although Scotland's probably been my, my main home, probably um, is where I came back to, even though I've been all over the place. And I'll probably tell you a bit more about that. But it's been my main home probably since I was um, 18. So growing up in Northern Ireland, um, obviously grew up in a context of violence. And uh, I guess that's probably had an impact on my view of education. And I think that's probably instigated why I got into informal education and specifically within youth work and community development. Um, so, yeah, so it's I think that's all had an impact on on CLD. But my career, I guess, um, do you know, I remember when I was in primary school and, you know, you do those wee quizzes and say, oh, what does your mum and dad do? And, and things like that. And I was like, I have no idea what they do. Um, I knew they'd done something in community. Not really sure what it was, to be honest. Um, later found out that actually my mum worked in community development um, and, and later in international peace building. And my dad worked for NIACRO, which is the kind of um, Northern Ireland equivalent of SACRO, working with uh, uh, prisoners. So I guess I've always had this kind of community stuff um, and politics as well going on um, in, in my life. And I think that's probably had an impact, even though if you'd asked me, I said, I don't want to do anything like my mum and dad. I want to do something totally different. And actually, I've ended up in a very similar field. But there you go. Um, so, yeah, I I grew up in Northern Ireland, went to youth clubs like everyone else as well. And I even remember going on one of those cross-community trips where they brought Catholics and Protestants um, put us all on the bus and brought us to Alton Towers. It was great. Um, but I think that all probably going to the youth club um, has had an impact probably on me, me getting involved in youth work um, and having great youth workers back then as well. There's probably a strand through my life as well in relation to politics. I actually remember going to the um, youth club when I was young and uh, the IRA had a ceasefire that day. And I remember going and saying, isn't it amazing the IRA have done a ceasefire? And my mates looking at me like I was totally mental, like just like, <laughs> yeah, and what impact does that have? And I was like, oh, right, OK. But in my house, it probably there was conversations about that all the time. Um, and so I guess there was a couple of things from that that have probably led me into CLD. Um, the youth workers, definitely the kind of cross community um, stuff and, and this idea around community that was always in my house. So probably one of the biggest things um, was my secondary school that I went to. Yep. Um, so I went to Lagan College, which was the first ever integrated secondary school in Northern Ireland. So the first ever um, school that had Catholics and Protestants at it. 
And probably only recently have I realised the impact that's had on my life and my view of education. Um, and I think the reason for that is, is that um, they probably adopted quite a lot of informal education techniques within a formal kind of schooling structure, if that makes sense. So they talked about the conflict in the classroom. And, um, and that was amazing because we got to hear about lots of people's different life experiences and we got to be in class with different people and you know it was something that we talked about throughout throughout school and I don't think I realized the impact that, that would have had in my life um as a kid but yeah. now we got to debate kind of really contemporary issues and really difficult issues um, and we got to kind of debate them in a safe space and I suppose that's been really crucial in kind of thinking about the the importance and the role of education. Um, so long story, I can go on about I can go on about all that for, for ages. And, yeah, so and, I was going to ask you, so like um, yeah. in the youth club, um, mm -hmm. was there like so uh, was there different work that happened in the youth club that was maybe issue based around about you mentioned violence and then there's obviously there's the, the religion issue as well. Did you do particular projects or was there anything within that that maybe also made you look towards having like this sort of career? Do you know, my main memories from the youth club um, was playing football. Um, I nice. played football um, throughout. And I, so I suppose, yes, there was issue-based work done, undoubtedly. Um, but I probably went to the youth club primarily for football. Um, yeah, but it wasn't the, you weren't, I suppose, aware of maybe the other stuff that was happening. It was, you were there for the fun part and then maybe the rest of it just naturally sort of happens. Yeah, but I think undoubtedly it'll have had a it'll totally. have had a total impact. But um, I just didn't. Um, yeah, I just I probably wasn't aware of it as much at the time, do you know. Um, but I guess those opportunities, like so the cross community trip, you know, that that will have undoubtedly had an impact. I mean, I remember going on that cross community trip, and the youth workers were great, and you know, we we got on this bus, and we were the kind of Catholic community, and there were Protestants on it. I don't think they ever, we ever really sat beside each other. I think we just sat on either side of the bus, and then we get the boat over to England. And actually, weirdly, it was the first time I'd ever came across cucumber sandwiches when I went to England, when we had to stay with these host families, and I was like, what on earth? Why would you put cucumber in a piece of bread? That is the most bizarre thing. But anyway, that was a standout memory <laughs> rather than any of the cross community stuff but I think in many ways what it did is is normalize interactions with people from another community do you know like I don't think we had this big let's all talk together but we went on roller coasters together do you know what I mean so that sort of thing I'm sure there was lots of now I know there was probably lots of planning and stuff that was put involved from the youth workers that all went on behind the scenes and you know it has had an impact um obviously uh getting to, to, to go on those trips and stuff but at the time i just thought oh we'll have to sit on the bus with these other people to go to go to england but yeah i mean i'm sure you know it has had a, an impact which is what i'm sure it was intended to do yeah totally totally so then where from from when then you were 18 and you moved to scotland what was what was the sort of goals there yeah so i moved um i used i used education really probably probably to get a, a change of scenery um when I was you know finishing sixth year in school I applied to universities all over um England and Scotland and deliberately didn't apply to any in um Ireland at all um so that I probably when I was 18 coming over regretted that I was like why did I not want to stay at home with my mates but actually at the time, I thought, no, I want to use this to challenge um, myself. And I, um, I'd never been to Scotland before. 
So picking Scotland to go to university seems a little bit strange, but I came over with my mum to visit Glasgow and Edinburgh and decided at the time that Glasgow, I think, was probably more suited for me if I'd got into Glasgow. And um, I was really fortunate. I got into Glasgow Uni and um, I did politics and theatre studies. And the reason for that probably was because... um, as I was growing up in Northern Ireland, my mom and my godmother were involved in setting up a political party mm-hmm. in the Women's Coalition. So as a teenager, I was um, quite involved in that. And when I say involved, I was I was a kid and I did things like run up and down the lamppost to put posters up and I did canvassing and putting leaflets out. And I, um, I went on trips with them. So when they were going to important meetings, they put me in the back of the car to go along with them. And I just, I totally loved it. Um, so I thought I really wanted to get involved in politics. So I came to university politics. And then the theatre studies was, I kind of thought that politicians always have to be a bit dramatic. And I always liked drama. And so I put the two together. Although, to be honest, when I came um, to uni, theatre studies was not really for me. And um, it was a lot more kind of literature based and, and that wasn't great. So I went to my tutor and I said, I'm not really feeling this. And they said, why don't you do sociology? And I had no idea what that was. But that was what I ended up doing. My degree in was politics and sociology. So it wasn't until after that that I then um, got involved in um, I did a, my postgraduate in community education and I got involved in kind of youth work. Um, so, yeah, just towards the end of, of that degree, I, I always knew I wanted to do <clears throat> something in informal education. Um, I love traveling um, and I, I you know, was really fortunate to be able to travel quite a bit as well. And um, I'd spend my, my kind of summers going interrailing and doing things like that. And I just knew that I wanted to do something with people. Um, so I started, I started doing volunteering in a local youth club and then, um, got, uh, in, in Glasgow and then got employed doing that in a couple of, um, being a youth worker in a couple of uh, youth projects and then went on to do my community education postgraduate. Well, that, that's a pure, it's, it's just, I like the twist from the, the theatre aspect to sociology. Like, like, <laughs> could you really have a mere 180? Like, you know? <laughs> I remember going into theatre studies and I was like, oh, this is going to be like drama. This is going to be great. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to be doing acting stuff. And then they were like, you need to read this like Russian. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is far, far too academic for me. And I just I wasn't feeling it. So, yeah, then went into sociology and I loved it. We did things like the sociology of sexuality or the sociology of education. or And it was just a whole new way of thinking. I just it was, yeah, I, I, I completely eye-opening experience and I think for me education was kind of that you know people say oh it opens gateways and it gives opportunities and it's transformative and whatever and but for me it really it really was um I I really loved kind of looking at the world in a new way and being challenged and having debates and yeah it was great I really really loved that oh that's good that's good and um so where's the so had you mentioned traveling a few times so did you do that as part of um your work or was that a personal thing um no primarily a personal thing so probably the 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 bug I got was I, I mentioned I was involved in um the women's coalition well yeah. I say involved I was just a kid <laughs> I was running <laughs> about with people but was really fortunate to be around people who were doing impressive things and I could um run up and down ladders quicker than them but <laughs> off the back of that when I was um when I was 17, I got the opportunity um, to go and uh, be an intern for Senator Kennedy 
in America. And um, it just, I mean, it was probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Um, it was the first time I'd really been away from home for a long period. And, um, but it was just amazing. It was totally amazing. I had this insight into, yeah, politics and America and a whole, just a whole different world that I just wasn't aware of and wasn't. And I guess for me, it given insight into politics of a kind of, of a high level, not, you know, I mean, I was just walking around Capitol buildings and not really knowing what I was doing, but uh, delivering the mail actually and bringing the dog for a walk was what Senator Kennedy had this beautiful dog and I opted to take the dog for a walk. I mean, I wasn't doing any high level stuff at this stage, but that's a very but, important job, but <laughs> I know, and um, <laughs> splash the dog. And then, um, and I just, yeah, I had this amazing experience, but I always knew that I wanted to be involved in something um, in my life that had like communities involved in it you know there just seemed a disconnect to me of this these high level people who talked in a in a different type of language and it was all about networking and all about who you knew and how you met and and I just it just I just knew it wasn't for me that level of stuff I don't know why but from quite an early um stage um I knew that I wanted to get involved in something that was probably more grassroots and then other other um opportunities to travel yeah I mean um when when I was doing interrail and stuff it was instead of going on the the kind of um you know I don't know the the kind of holidays day Ibiza or whatever I went interrail and just because I wanted to see different communities and I wanted to see different ways of living and I wanted to drink cheap wine on a train really I mean there was and I wanted to go away for a month rather than two weeks and I wanted to you know so I don't know but it's definitely had an impact um I think on my life in terms of just um, loving seeing different communities and being involved in, in the way different um, people engage and probably it's fed through and, and being at Glasgow Uni now you know we we have um, programs a part of the program is um, that we do study trips and um, my colleague Helen Martin she's really um, developed that and do you know it's so important to me now that we bring students to, to Belfast um, and also the going international study trips as well to see our work in a different context, to see it in an international context has always been really important. And I think probably that's fed into some of my work as well now. So, so one of the big projects that I'm working on is about peace building um, in um, Colombia and, and Mexico and looking at informal educational projects and how they contribute to kind of peace building. And I just think having an international focus, why it's not ignoring the local focus, but has always played probably a part in my life and probably Connor to be honest it's only since you asked me to do this that I started to think maybe there are threads in my life that have led me here like I've just never thought about it before but yeah. all of a sudden things you start to say oh god that must have an impact and that's had an impact and and now it kind of makes sense why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I love doing what I'm doing and how I'm so privileged to be in the position that I am at the minute. Yeah definitely it's quite interesting because like I think we, we speak to a lot of people who are in this field who um, sort of dot about a bit and it's, you, you go for a project to project to project but it's it's really interesting that you're seeing this thread for your life actually that's maybe got you to the position that you're in and what you're working on and why you're so passionate about particular pieces of work um, it's, it's a really interesting sort of point of view he's actually taken that, that's cool that you've then had this experience to think about that um yeah. so then the, the youth work on that that you've done um was was that was it sort of generic youth work was it um project based what sort of stuff did you um do 
Yeah, so between when I finished my um, degree and my, um, I was going to do my postgraduate, I started to um, volunteer in, in generic youth work and centre-based youth work. Yeah. And we, you know, we did, we did that kind of generic, the, the you know, arts-based projects, the sports, the, but it was great. You know, it was, it was really good. And in those projects, they were very much the hub of the community. Um, we set up kind of um, a girls group uh, for, for the young girls who actually interestingly wanted a space to do homework, which I was a bit like, really? But, but it made so much sense later, you know, to, to realise to have the, the kind of safe space to explore kind of education as well. And so it was very much a generic youth projects to start off with. Um, and then I got involved in doing telephone-based um, work as well and the kind of you know, the, the drugs and the um, sexual health helplines too. And then um, I did my postgraduate and I was, as a part of that, I, I continued on doing, doing uh, youth work throughout that. But I also got the opportunity to do a kind of placement in Poverty Alliance. I always had this kind of research and, and policy focus as well to work. And then my work kind of went a little bit different because myself and my now husband, um, we went to Australia um, to work with Aboriginal young people um, in a in a uh, educational hostel where kids from local communities, but rural communities, came to live with us, and then they went to the local high schools. So that was a really fascinating um, experience and and gave me you know real insight into. A variety of discrimination um, that, that young Aboriginal people in particular faced, but it also gave me an insight into health inequalities. Um, I think probably something, you know, the impact of poverty um, in Glasgow is, is huge and in Belfast is huge, but um, the, the real health inequalities for those in those rural communities of Aboriginal young people was, was striking. And there's just you know, some of the some of the experiences was was fascinating. I remember bringing the young people to the beach, and some of the young people had never seen the sea before because they were from rural communities. Mm -hmm. And we set up volleyball um, on the beach, and we're all playing volleyball. And this group of people came to take photographs of the kids, and we were like, "What? What? What are you doing?" And they were like, "Oh, we've never seen Aboriginals before, so we're like taking photos of them." We're like, "Whoa, hang on a second, this is not." And I just saw oh, the, the division um, in society there was quite stark. Um, and it was it was a really fascinating experience. And we worked with really amazing, amazing people and then had the opportunity to work in the local schools as well. And that was fantastic because we worked in the local schools with, with these Aboriginal young people. And the schools really recognised that some of the some of the literacy and numeracy levels of these kids wasn't great. I mean, for others it was, you know, there was quite a a range but they had some really innovative ways of working within the school so they had like a basketball um center where the young girls in particular were really into basketball and they would do a lot of their education through sport so they would do things like their maths through tactics or their like and then yeah. a football and afl afl is that right uh, yeah for yeah. um for the boys as well and things like you know, doing bikes up and learning about engineering and, and doing stuff like that. So they did a lot of their education through these um, kind of innovative and informal ways as well, um, which was just brilliant. And, and it really, the, the teachers in the schools were fantastic. And I loved that experience as well. Um, really insightful, working with kids who really formal education 
wasn't, and that wasn't just the Aboriginal young people, there was a range of young people worked with her, but um, formal education really wasn't suited for them. Mm-hmm. But this school had managed to really kind of find ways around that, which was which was great. Yeah, so that was that was another bit of the work. Um, yeah, so, and That's then brilliant. we came back <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's really cool how they've adopted a more informal approach which probably is more aligned to what we do compared to traditional education and then how that works do you know that's that's brilliant and even the idea of, and we've done projects with sport and um there's been bikes and the learning in that is immense um you don't realize Absolutely. just how much is in there for something that you might look at other maybe tinkering with something but actually that's a potential career for somebody to become a mechanic or the start yeah, of that yeah. for and, having that access and opportunity yeah and and absolutely and do you know it's really fair and some of the work that we're doing now as well and i think you know within the school of education it is something that, that they're you know definitely trying to look at but it's the importance of context on kids lives do you know in terms of and for teachers to realize the context and also for them to be engaged in the local community mm-hmm. do you know they, they don't come from isolated lives so for teachers to really get out and walk about the community and see what's happening in the area that the school's in like it is something that we're really passionate about and I just think it's so important because the context of children's lives be that you know in Glasgow or be that in room in Australia or be that in Belfast doesn't matter but it's really important to have that um kind of holistic view um and and I think the the value of informal educational methodologies is is just needs to be kind of shouted about more because you're working with you know young people who often have have felt completely dislocated from the education system and actually I think youth work and I later went on did um, kind of more community development work. But I think, and you know, obviously I would see youth work as a part of community development, but but I think it's so vital um, that, that the, the way that we work and the way that the field work is kind of heralded, do you know, is really shouted about. And, and I just think that we need to say that this has a real place within the formal education system as well. And that actually the work in partnership is, is just so vital. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, so then, when you came back, um, what, what then did? When did you start sort of looking at PhD and thinking about um, getting into higher education? Yeah, so I um, so we instead of coming back straight away, to be honest, uh, we we worked there for six months, and then six months we went travelling oh, around nice. Southeast Asia and um, and India, and it, and it was just amazing. And again, had you know, really fortunate that I was able to do it, but has had a real amazing impact on my life. So I came back and um, my uh, now husband, who, by the way, um, in the summer that I met him before I did my postgraduate, actually told me not to do a postgraduate in um, in, in community education. So it's amazing that um, we're actually married, although maybe not so surprising that I totally ignored him and um, <laughs> went down this went down this field. But yeah, he um, he went back as a mature student to do social work and um we, I went up to university and I bumped into one of the lecturers, Howard Sircombe, um, at the time, uh, who was who was working in Scotland, and he said that there was some PhD opportunities and I, would I be interested in applying for it? And at the time, I was like, uh, no, no, absolutely not. And um, but then, do you know, it was the they. I was on a, a studentship and I, I was I, I did put in an application. I was really lucky um, to be successful in that. And the studentship originally was based on sectarianism, 
And I thought, well, if anybody's going to do that, I feel like I can do something like that with young people and sectarianism. And do you know what? I started it and um, I thought I really don't want to do anything on sectarianism in Glasgow. Um, I find it way too difficult. Um, personally, I find it difficult. I find the landscape in Glasgow was very different to what I was used to in Belfast. Mm-hmm. And um, and what way? I knew it. So, do you know, in so many ways, um, you know, sectarianism is an issue in, in Glasgow. It absolutely is. But people didn't get the nuances that, that was kind of gotten in Belfast, or that was my experience. So my name's Sinead. In Belfast, that would instantly tell you what religion you are. In Glasgow, people would say to me things like, do you support Celtic or Rangers? Have you been to the Shankle or the Falls? What school did you go to? And I get these questions all the time. I still get these questions all the time in in Glasgow. You know, I'll get into a taxi and people will effectively try and find out what religion I am. And I often just say, are you trying to find out what religion I am? And often they'll say, no, 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 I would never do that. And then when I say, well, I was brought up a Catholic, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, mean that, like, you know, why you want to know? What often people say is, oh, I knew that you probably supported Celtic. And it's like, oh, my God, is this what it's about? It comes down to football and yeah. it infuriates me. And, and I just realised quite quickly that I was going to be so, my position, and it was going to impact the research so much that actually it just wasn't, it wasn't great. You know, it wasn't probably, I couldn't dislocate myself. Um, from it either time I think I would I realized quite quickly and I did reflective accounts that I would get too emotive about it do you know so I would like I'd be like but people don't understand and they're singing these songs or they're doing this stuff but they don't live in it they don't know the day-to-day reality of living in it so it just it was too emotional so I um, moved away from that and um, ended up doing my research on the relationship between young people who identified with um, youth gangs and their local community so that was quite interesting and um and it was I, you know, fascinating experience. But I, and I was really fortunate that the youth workers kind of gave me access to, to working in communities in Glasgow. And but actually, just the, the work that's being done with young people as well. And I really wanted to give them a voice, but also to say, you know, sometimes and often these young people are labelled and labelled really negatively and in a really deficit way. And and I knew that we needed to challenge that. And I thought, well, these these young people are someone's son. There's someone's brother, there's someone's uncle or dad or whatever, do you know, like they're, they're, they're a part of the community. And I guess I wanted to know, kind of to think about the relationship um, between between that. So it was great. And um, and I did that for for uh, three years and throughout that had the opportunity um, to work alongside brilliant people in Strathclyde, Uni. And I know that you've had a number of them on here and I was really yeah. fortunate. I mean, you know, being in Strathclyde Uni and just going for lunch with people that you'd heard about from the field and who were your lecturers at, when I did the postgrad in community education. And it was amazing. Just totally opened up um, my eyes as well. And as I say, really fortunate to have that experience of working alongside some amazing lecturers and, and practitioners. And I still do now. I still work with, with a number of them. You know, Annette Coburn, I work with all the time. And and that was because I, I did my PhD um, alongside... Um, you know with her as well so yeah. so yeah and and it was only after that then that I I then decided that academia wasn't for me um and that actually despite all my great experiences of it I thought yeah no I need to go back to practice and I moved back to Northern Ireland um and I uh, I coordinated a community development approach to social justice 
Um, it, across the north of Ireland, um, we had, I think at the time, 33 community groups involved in that, um, from uh, youth projects to projects working with newly arrived communities yep. to, um, you know, ex-paramilitary projects, people who were involved in, in the violence. And, and so that was amazing and had the real privilege of working under um, some amazing mentors. Manino um, Prey and the Community Foundation was just amazing and seeing really brilliant practitioners working in a really difficult environment at times. Um, and the the privilege of working with different community groups across, across Northern Ireland. And that, yeah, gave me a, a whole different perspective um, into community development. Um, that wasn't wasn't youth focused. Um, there were some youth projects involved in it, but um, yeah, it was uh, that was that was a super experience as well. Yeah, and it's it's really good as well to get the opportunity to also work with um, community groups and young people and bring that together. But thirty three groups is massive. That that is such yeah. a like that's sort of just thinking about that number and coordinating and working with them. It, bring together into something that's so many people yeah it was great so we had mentors who were really um experienced uh community practitioners in the field and they worked with the groups um to address a range of different uh social justice issues and you know that in itself was fascinating because everything in 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 the north of ireland and in northern ireland is political um, so even what way you say Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland um, is political. And the concept of social justice was quite political, as is the concept of kind of human rights. And so to get people to think about, you know, what are the kind of um, social justice issues that they face was fascinating. And these mentors just did such incredible work with different groups. And the groups themselves were doing incredible work. It wasn't, but drawing out some of the lessons of that. And, you know, I always remember a story, and I, I say this, students who, who, if they listen to this, will be rolling their eyes, because I do say this story quite a bit. But I remember <laughs> in one of the projects, and um, the, the mentor at the time was working alongside the project. They were talking about education. And says, you know, in this community, nobody has went past um, post-compulsory education and he was like didn't it that, that camp they've never nobody no they've not passed. he was like well, that you know that's a real social justice issue like what what's going on there like in terms of the process of education and whatever and actually they did loads of work with that community and um you know people have have went on into different um projects and and, and different educational kind of endeavors after that i guess it was probably a minority um that that were making it past you know, were making it to university or were making it to college and and so it was like well, why why is that the case why is it a minority and starting to look at the different issues that affected that community you know from the kind of um expectations and aspirations of school for these young people um, on employment opportunities on and the whole range of things that goes along with that and it was just a real eye-opening um experience of working you know in in a in a variety of communities I mean I I drove I had only just really started to learn how to drive um when I took this job and and then I realized that I was gonna have to drive the whole of Northern Ireland in places I just didn't have a clue where it was yeah. I remember saying to my boss at one stage where's this place and she says when you get to the traffic lights and you turn on the left and she thought I meant like where was the small community group that I was going to I meant like where was the town I'd never <laughs> even heard of the town I was from Belfast I didn't have a clue of all these places outside and I was based in Derry um, 
and I loved it. It was just Derry, such a vibrant city and um, yeah, just real amazing community-based um, work happening there. Um, but it was, a, it was a funded project and I knew that funding was going to be coming to an end at some stage. And then after doing that, I thought, I, well, I had the opportunity to go back into academia. Yeah. And that was when I moved to the University of Hull um, and worked on a community and youth project uh, program there. So, yeah. So would you be able to explain to us what a social justice approach is? Just in case there's any listeners that are maybe a bit unsure about the terminology or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, well, that's a big question, Connor, for a Monday morning. Um, yeah, so <laughs> effectively, it was to start to look at the issues that were affecting local community groups and to start to, to put a rights-based approach. And I guess, and when we talk about that, it's about saying, you know, social justice and equality and human rights are the heart of the practice that we do and how to really embed that. So how to have that as a lens through which to look at your practice. And I know that there's a number of people doing this kind of work um, within Scotland as well. I think you've had a few of them on here too. But um, And it's about saying, you know, how do you readdress those injustices? How do you start to challenge? That can be on a local, on a kind of micro level, but actually also how do you start to challenge those people who are power holders in communities how do you hold those people to account so instead of everything being focused on you know labeling or looking at communities as being in deficit it's about saying well how do we start to challenge those structures as well how do we start to look at things through a particular lens that says yeah okay we can make these changes at a smaller level but how does that feed in to kind of um the broader decision making powers i guess um and and we've we've done some work on this myself and, and Annette about thinking about so if you if you start to work with groups at, at a kind of you know what issues are facing them there and then if you like, what then are the next steps? How then do you put that into you know an international, a global perspective? How then does that feed into saying, actually, where are the politicians in this? How do we hold people to account? How do we start to challenge um, whose voices are around the table, whose voices aren't at the table? Um, and so it's really looking at our practice within thinking about the broader inequalities within society as well, and trying to think about community groups to address what inequalities they face, what injustices they face, and how then do you address them on multiple levels? Yeah, no, th- th- thanks for sort of explaining that, because I know that it's sometimes um, terminology gets lost as well. So I think what's quite important is how maybe someone says a, a term, then actually they might be able to then link that into what they're currently doing, but they might not recognise that as a social justice approach. But actually that's fundamentally the work that they're doing. But um, Or it might be called something else, because I think um, the now in the, in the few conversations we've recorded, language has been a big thing that sort of came up recently, yeah. just about sort of terminology, what they look local authorities call certain things, what is the wider picture, and also sometimes depends maybe where you study or where you're from, how particular things get said, so it's just quite an interesting one to um, see how things are supposed to rounded off. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So then, um, so we went to Hull? And... Did, yeah, yeah, I know, um, a bit a bit of a strange, <laughs> I say a bit strange, why would it be strange, but I guess, um, 
yeah, on the same on the same weekend, I, I seen this um, job advert, and I went over to, to the University of Hull for a, a job interview. And the same weekend, my husband was having an interview in Belfast to move to Belfast, so he was in Glasgow, and I was in Derry, and he was having an interview in Belfast. Anyway, long story short, on the same weekend, um, I got offered the um, job in Hull, and we had a decision to make as to whether we we're going to go move to Hull or or Belfast, and Hull won. And um, you know. I'd never been to Hull before. Uh, I have family in Sheffield, but I'd never been to Hull before. And Hull's amazing. Um, you know, you drive from Glasgow down to Hull and you get to the M82 and it feels like all cars go right, which I think they're all going to Manchester. Mm. And then you're a kind of lone car going off into the distance into Hull. And it feels a little bit like the end um, of the universe. But what a sense of community there and some amazing practice there. So I am... Um, yeah, the real fortune of, of being a lecturer in the Community and Youth Work Programme there and working with fantastic colleagues, uh, you know, the really innovative work they were doing. But I also had the opportunity um, to be on a, a board for the Warren Youth Project. And, you know, sometimes you get these projects that you think, God, these, this project is really putting all the values and all the, the kind of you know the chat about what we do all all of that into practice and the warren was one of those those projects and they the young people were involved in the um recruitment of staff they were also involved and you know believe still are in terms of the running of the project but they also had big things like you know they they, they did a lot around music they had their own recording labels i mean they just have some fantastic projects and that was that was super as well really um opened up some opportunities there and also you know thinking about doing CLD practice or or down south the kind of community and youth work practice in different environments so one of my colleagues um at the time Julie Rippingale she um had worked in in hospitals and and so starting to put our students our youth work students in the hospitals and seeing the benefit of that, you know, working with young people in hospital who fall between the kind of children's services and the adult services and just the incredible role um, of doing youth work in different um, settings. And that was, you know, that was eye opening as well um, in terms of how much the hospital got from it, also how much the young people got from it. And also how much the students um, and many have went on into different fields of work um, through that as well. So I loved it. I loved it in Hull and I was there for four years and I got the opportunity to, you know, see the academic side of work of really being involved in reaccreditation of programmes and, you know, um, working with different partners. And but then but then as as seems to have be, always been the case, Scotland um, pulled pulled me back uh, four <laughs> years later uh, when I moved to the Glasgow Uni. Oh, that's brilliant. And, you know, it's um, one of the things, I suppose, for the podcast as well is is looking at that bit wider because it was originally started, um, sort of we're looking at Scotland, but what I'm really learning is there's across, like, the whole of the UK and further afield as well, the, the amount of work that's happening. And it's also, I think, important to highlight the all different practices because they're all different communities and how it all sort of runs. So, so, again, I just think it's really cool how, for your experience, then that's multiple countries and totally different contexts and different ways of growing up, different society issues that then you've able you've been able to be part of that, which then informs your practice, which I think is amazing for um, a career and this sort of job to go about as many different places. 
Yeah, I've been really lucky. And and it has all impacted on um it has all impacted on on where I am now and, and my practice, but also just to see that, you know, even even in the kind of nations um that they're all working together, you know, so CLD are working with the Professional Association of Lecturers and Community and Youth Work and, you know, the um, National Youth Agency and, and a variety of different organisations. And also then as academics, just kind of having that conversation across, um, you know, is is really important as well. Um, but also just to see our, our practice within a, a global sense. I think it's going to be, you know, increasingly important as um, too. And seeing the role that, that CLD community and youth the community development or whatever language and I know there are you know differences and nuances and we could go on about those for a long time but but that actually seeing the main thing is the the important role that it has both within society I think and particularly coming out of a pandemic <laughs> you know I think we've got a, a really important role to play um, and looking at it in terms of those different spheres you know in in the education system and 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 when I say that it's about you know in the formal education system I think one of the things that you we we kind of talk about and certainly taking this actually from the work of um, Sam McCready and and um, others in Northern Ireland was around saying that actually youth work you know it is education you know community development is education we are educationalists and um, we just adopt a different kind of methodology to do it um and and often that methodology is informal and and I think that that's really important you know that we we see ourselves as and I think we do I think but there's there's probably work in terms of thinking of parity of professionalist esteem and fighting for parity of of resources that actually we should be a well-resourced field of practice because we're vitally important um, in terms of society more broadly. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think the pandemic's really highlighted that. Um, where a, a lot of the community groups that have popped up, but also the, the work that we get redirected to do and how the approach changed for um, youth organisations and community organisations and how we had to engage and support people and also still offer them that fundamental education purpose because we are education, that is a massive part of our role. So I think the mm-hmm. pandemic really has highlighted that we, we need to be well resourced and better resourced in many places. Um, some places are obviously better than others in terms of that, but how then funding's allocated and how that's distributed, I think there does have to be a change and because everybody spoke about the immense community spirits that has been created over the last 18 months and we can't lose that we don't want to lose that um but as things open back up and if resources are put in then what what can we do it's you know it's it's a difficult time and i mean the other thing is you know this work has been ongoing you know people in cld have been doing this work day in day out it feels a bit like people just stopped listening do you know it never went away people just stop listening to the importance of it and actually you know the 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 pandemic has been horrific for so many people and that you know it's it's been so difficult for so many people and you know there's no there's no getting away from that and it's laid bare the inequalities laid bare the inequalities in terms of society and that actually you know those people within our community who have been the most disadvantaged are, are those people um, who live in, in multiple areas of deprivation and have health inequalities and, and all, all that sort of stuff. And there's an, another area that you say, another element that you say, so, so what next? You know, and, and what do we do with it next? And, and for me, if anything has come out of it, it's about saying, 
we need community. We absolutely need community. But actually, we need professional community development practitioners and youth work practitioners. You know, it's not that anybody can do it. Um, it's that actually this is a skilled profession and it is necessary. And it's necessary in the type of society that I want to see. And I think that a lot of people want to see, you know, I think I can't speak for everyone, but I think in the type of society that we want to see, we want to, we want to kind of eradicate those inequalities, to challenge them, to start to say that actually, this is not the type of society we want to live in. And I think there's an opportunity. I think there is an opportunity to say we're in a, we could, we could do something different here. Um, but I think coming back to that whole whole stuff about the different lenses of looking at practice, it's about saying, well, if we do something different, how do we do that on multiple levels? Because we need to think about who we're electing. You know, we need to think about how we're positioned within the broader um, political structures. We need to think, you know, there are multiple levels that we need to be involved in that. But, but I, I just think that we are in a really unique position as community and, and youth workers, as practitioners, to really shape the way society is um, and and can be. So sorry, that was a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's so true. And a lot of the stuff, a lot, I think the stuff we do is local level, but it's scaling up that local level stuff. And if, if, if you can, if there's jo- dots to be joined, then I'm sure that everything will come out and people will be saying the same things all across the place. Um, I suppose it's the, but I think we're in that opportunity just now where conversations are probably happening and able to happen to really look at that um, which I think can only make the, a benefit and only make a positive impact on the communities that we work for absolutely absolutely yeah so um one of the things I suppose as well um you've sort of touched on it a wee bit as well but has there been any like sort of key role models that sort of been involved in sort of your career and life that sort of got you where you are now yeah I mean do you know there there are probably too many to mention, and that sounds that sounds totally ridiculous. But I have been totally privileged um, to be surrounded by, in particular, really strong women my whole life, and I think that's had a real, yeah, it's had a real impact um, on who I am, on on my life in general, on my personal life as well as on my professional life. Um, and I, you know, you see women get written out of so many stories. Um, I guess you see women getting written out of history so often as well. Um, and how women probably more than anyone else have to fight for a space. Um, how they, you know, balance life and and work and in a way that that probably men often don't. And I think the pandemic really had an impact on that. I think women probably felt the brunt of, of that often. Um, and you know, they they juggle and walk on tight ropes and balance things and and often put themselves um behind the needs of, of everyone else. And I think for me, you know, total cliche, and I've I've worked with so many amazing women and I've mentioned you know Manino Prey and um Monica McWilliams who um was was set up the women's coalition um you know she's my godmother and I'm really fortunate to have those people um around me but but also my mum you know um who is probably one of the best role models anybody could ask for. Uh, so she she works in community development and practice, but also now internationally in peace building, and probably is one of the most driven um, women you've ever met in your life. Um, very principled and, and passionate, um, and has 
one of the most amazing professional um, careers and, and amazing stories. And, you know, one of the best things I love about going home is sitting around the dinner table and hearing different stories about their work. But also whilst doing that still manages to be a great mum and a granny to my two two boys as well. So, you know, as, as cliched as that sounds, you know, I've been so fortunate to be surrounded by by strong women and continue to be, you know, not not just um, in, in my personal life, as I say, but also in my professional life, the women that I work with in Glasgow Uni um, and, you know, Annette, who I do a lot of um, work with in terms of writing. And they're just these women who have came from so many different walks of life um, and, and all have contributed to mine in, in ways that probably they'll all never know, do you know, but but really if if I could in any way professionally or personally be, you know, a small part of any of those, then then I don't think I'd be doing bad at all. Yeah, that that's amazing. You've had so many people run about you. Um and I think it's it's quite um unique as well that your your mum's also in the field. So that's also that's also a really really added benefit as well. So there's, I bet there's some wild conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so then, what's has there been any memorable moments or key highlights in your career that you'd like to mention? Oh, God, how do how do I think of one? Um, I do. Do you know I'm. I, I'm not sure that there's I'm not sure that there's one standout one in, in any way. I think there's been there's been so many. There's been multiple kind of experiences that have probably all came together. Um I I guess I I suppose now I think about and what's next. You know, I always I'm a bit I'm always a bit thinking about what's the next project or what's the next thing or what's the, you know, I'm always a bit active in terms of that way. And so I think I don't know if there's one particular thing. I think maybe historically, probably the school that I went to has had a big impact. I think undoubtedly being from Belfast, it has has had a big impact. I think my work in, in Northern Ireland in general, but being able to kind of take that step away from it and live in a different um, country has probably um, had a big impact. And, you know, I think now within working within a school of education, and again, this might sound you know like like I'm being paid to say it and I'm really not um, is that I feel like we're in a position of of real excitement of, of real kind of potential of of a really dynamic staff team um and I honestly think um I'm kind of open to learning every single day and every single day I do learn and it all does have a, a kind of um contribution to yeah, to, to, to me and, and to the way that I see the world and, you know, and also to be challenged on that, I think. And I've, I've been surrounded by great people to challenge the, my practice and my views as well. So I'm not sure that there's one kind of particular standout moment, just having the, the fortune of kind of reflecting over, over the kind of experiences has been really interesting. So I thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one at all. But it is, you know, it's a really hard question. But it's also, I think it's it's one that I like because it just it lets you try and think about all the different unique parts. And I think um, I think about it as well. Like when you go back, but you do so much, don't you? So how how can you pinpoint? But it's also nice to think back of sometimes also the wee moments or the wee yeah. achievements that you sort of make that might have a long term benefit. So it's a cool one. So then on on the flip side of that, 
Um, so then, has there been any challenges or setbacks that you've maybe had, and what have you maybe learned from them, or has there maybe just been a few, similar to that? There's maybe just been a few things that I suppose get you to where you are now. Yeah, do you know? I suppose I suppose there's all there's always challenges. I one of the things for me, and and maybe it's um, maybe it's working within academia, and that's because that's where I am just now. Um, do you know one of the challenges is is probably a sense of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe it comes, um, I, I don't know, sometimes I think people wouldn't view me and think, oh God, she's got imposter syndrome. But I think everybody feels that, you know, if you're not from a dominant field of practice that, you know, within a particular place or you're not, I don't know, you know, you don't always speak a certain language or sometimes you try and challenge things too much or and I think there are those challenges one of the things in academia I think as well as the challenges you know there's constant rejection it's it's the most bizarre career ever really you know you put these papers and you think I'm really going to passionate about you know community development and community and I write about it and then someone says yeah no that's rubbish it doesn't fit with our view of what education is or whatever and then you get rejected and you're like oh my god and I remember you know taking that quite difficult at the start or finding that quite thinking oh that just feeds into every form of imposter syndrome that you have that I think a lot of women actually find themselves in um and actually then you come to the point of you thinking well that doesn't suit your particular field or your particular um you know criteria if you like but it does somewhere else and maybe I've just became a bit less concerned about that sort of stuff but you know it's a it's a challenging career of kind of feeling like you're always fighting for a place but often always getting rejections as well you know be it funding bids or articles that you write or and I think you know there are multiple examples of that I think that's a that's a tough gig you know and um and actually what that says to me is that as a community of practice, we really need to support each other. Be that that we're, you know, some of us are in academia now, or be that that we're in practice, be that that we're in professional bodies or that we're in, um, you know, management roles or whatever that happens to be. God, we're all we're all kind of struggling through. And actually, um, I think just having a kind of support, supporting the field of CLD and supporting each other try not to be that kind of competitive way um in whatever way that that is but actually I think that would be that would really help me and help I think a lot of people in terms of moving forward with some of those challenges because we all come from CLD from such different perspectives don't we but fundamentally we all still kind of use that hashtag because of CLD don't we do you know so there's a bit about saying we might come from different perspectives but let's kind of appreciate that and and revel in our differences as opposed to kind of um, see that as a negative. So yeah, I think that's probably some of the challenges. Yeah, do you know, I've I've never ever thought about um, the rejection side of things for that for um, lecturers at all. It's not, but I've obviously I'm not a lecturer. I've never I'm not involved in that sort of side of things. But that, I've just never thought about that before, and that must be really tough constantly doing that sort of work and. I just always sort of thought that it was always just tick and go, like, but I don't know why, you know, but just, but totally for what you've said, you know, that, that under that, it makes sense that there's that maybe process, but that was also extremely difficult. So um, mm. now when I read something, I'm going to have more of an appreciation of maybe how difficult that is to get maybe out there, because I think yeah, I was maybe a bit naive about that. 
it's maybe been the fifth iteration and we've we've ripped it up and tried to throw our computer out the window and whatever it happens to be. And actually, do you know, that's why some of the, the kind of joint work and I think so important as well is that you can say to a colleague, oh God, they didn't like that or they didn't like that or oh, how are you feeling about this? And, you know, sometimes academia is a very individual pursuit and, and that doesn't fit for me. You know, I, 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 I get a bit bored working on my own, to be to be honest. And um, I definitely prefer to work with others. And I think sometimes that's maybe why as well, as it helps through those processes and to put it into perspective of, you know, the perspective of the real world as well. Um, and and seeing that balance, that that praxis, I think, is is something that's really difficult at times too. You know, how do we relate that that practice and and that theory? And that sometimes as academics within the field that we're in, we, we feel like we're balancing a whole professional practice, but we're also balancing the kind of academic demands. And so kind of having support from colleagues, you know, really, really helps those pressures. Yeah, no, definitely. So then just now, um, where is CLD just now? And then how do you maybe see it changing? So I think it's in a real place of transition you know undoubtedly I think you know coming out of um coming out of Brexit coming out of a pandemic coming you know there are so many things that have happened in our society recently that put CLD in a particularly um yeah in a in a, in a kind of transitioning place but you know and maybe this is from total optimism right and um and I have, believe it or not, been called on, on multiple times that I'm a bit too optimistic. And um, others are going to be surprised at that, that, that I'm <laughs> optimistic at times. But, you know, particularly my husband says, you're, you're just a bit optimistic. But anyway, I am. Um, maybe it is. Maybe I am being optimistic. But I think it's exciting. I think it's a really exciting place. I think fundamentally we are in a place as CLD practitioners, academics of saying, look, we are not only needed, but we're vital. We're absolutely vital in society. We can engage um, with, we can work alongside, we can walk with people who are generally excluded. You know, we, our whole values, our whole being, our whole ambition is about working alongside people to find solutions to their problems themselves, but to actually also at the same time to hold those policymakers and power holders and government to account and say, but by doing that, you need to be able to fund and you need to be able to support this practice that actually we need to, we're in a place where we can challenge, um, you know, deficit pathologizing narratives that actually has gained momentum in some political um, spheres, that actually we can say, no, collective action is what's important. That awareness of context, that, you know, holding those people to account, but also that, that striving for a better world. You know, those, those are huge challenges, but actually I don't think they're insurmountable. And I don't think that as a collective, that as a, a field of CLD, I think that we can have a kind of cohesive and a collective and an inclusive professional identity. Um, but I also think, uh, and I said a bit of this at the CLD conference that, that I, I did a bit of an input on um, last year, that actually I think that we can non-apologetically um, disrupt some of those negative narratives, but that we can do that in promoting our own practice, um, that we can say we need to have a place and a space 
because actually what we do in connection, in partnership, absolutely with others is vitally important. Um, and it's vitally important for, for young people, for communities and for striving for a, a different and a, a better world um, where we can find dynamic solutions, um, but also importantly, that we can ensure everyone's voices particularly those most harshly impacted by austerity, by COVID, by deprivation, um, by all those things, that actually that those people are genuinely and not tokenistically um, heard and that they have the space um, and that we can support that um, in, in creating a, a different and, and you know, maybe more equal society. I think we should just leave it there. I think you just nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, I, I, I'm the same as you. I, I'm I'm extremely optimistic with the future of um, this field and this profession and what we're going to be able to do. And I think that it, it needs the conversations need to be out there so that publicly people are also listening to that and how how practitioners also in the field need to also maybe be aware of this opportunity and the potential here so that then we can be challenging what we're currently doing in our own local areas so that then feeds into nationally and other conversations. Um, and I, I think just now we're in a, an amazing position, one of the best ones we've been in since I've really got in this job, I'm 10 years now, um, you know, and I think that we really need to take this opportunity to challenge all these things and really cement ourselves in that so that we're not just the, the first cut or the first gave up because we're better than that we're here to really really be successful and we're here to serve absolutely. communities and make a massive difference which we have always done so mm -hmm. it's, it's let's recognize that and let's get the word out there so that more people are hearing that and thinking that and challenging which i think we do really have that opportunity to do right now so i'm on board um i'm very <laughs> optimistic and i also get to i'm too optimistic as well so that's nice that um, i'm with somebody else on that one so what advice would you give to someone looking to start a career in CLD? Now, this is going to sound silly, but my honest advice is go for it. Yep. And because if you have something in you that says, I think this is right, I think I'm interested in this, then do you know what? It is right. And I'm not going to be the person to say that it's easy because it's not. You know, and I'm not going to say that there aren't going to be challenges because there are, but actually go for it because there is something within you. There is something in whatever your history is. And as I say, look, I've, you know, thought about got all these different approaches and all this different that, have, that my kind of life that, that have brought me to the place I am just now. And in another couple of years, there'll be more and, and different things that, you know, I'll be in a, in a different place or whatever. But there is something in your life right now that says, I fancy that CLD stuff. I think that's the place for me. Then absolutely go for it. Because we need people who, no matter where that passion has come from, no matter where that fire in their belly has come from, that actually they get involved in it. And that they become, you know, the advocates for the for the profession. That generationally there are people after, people who are involved in this practice, who shout about its importance um, as, as much as just doing the, the work on the ground, you know, that actually, so it might not be the most um, 
it might not be the most deep and meaningful um, words of wisdom, if you like. But for me, fundamentally, what would I say? I'd say go for it. Yeah, no, brilliant. And I, I think that's the best. If you've got that feeling, go for it and give it a go because you don't know the opportunities that you're going to be able to have and how that can change your life professional and personally by getting involved in this. So, no, totally. Well, listen, thanks so much for um, agreeing to join us and cheers for the cheers for the chat. It's been really, really good to just get to know more about you and um, sort of your background and where you've come from. So um, thank you so much. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. And where can people yeah, get you yeah, on, like, social media or... Um, if they want to get, get a wee chat with you. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm on Twitter and it's uh, Sinead Gormley, which, I, you know, I have to often spell because people aren't really sure, but um, so I'm sure you'll put up, you'll put up my name properly. Right. But, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get, the, we'll get it in Twitter. the description. Or, um, and also my, my email at, at Glasgow Uni, by all means, anyone who wants to drop me a line, I, I love to, to hear from people. And also just to build this community of practice. Do you know, I'm, I'm up for that every day of the week. So do get in touch if there's anything that you know want to speak about or just any comments, that would be great. Brilliant. Nice one. So listen, thanks very much and enjoy the rest of this happy Monday. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, Connor. Cheers. Take care. Thanks very much, Sinead, for joining us on this week's episode of CLD Talks. It was amazing just to get to know you and where you've came from and how you got to where you are. To, for more information on CLD Talks, please follow us on Twitter at CLD Talks, where you can join the conversation there and you can have a chat with us about this week's episode. Thanks very much and catch you next time.